this and this to prevent that from happening. I need to do this and this to support my body. Your bodies are a part of nature. You can't separate yourself from nature that much and expect to not have some repercussions. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire new ways of thinking, evoke wild ways of being, and excavate enriched understandings about our purpose, creativity, and wellness. I'm your host, Emma Kvetna, maker and mystic, teacher and writing coach, entrepreneur and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. As someone who grew up very sciencey, I have never been one to doubt science or question something that can be factually, quantitatively proven, and I probably never will be someone who rejects science in that way because it's just totally illogical to do so. But at the same time, especially in recent years, I am open to the fact that science can't and doesn't tell us every single thing about our reality. I'm open to the knowledge that there are unexplainable truths out there, or that there's unquantifiable truths, rather. And today's talk is, it is really heavy on medical-based health, and my guest and I, we do kind of address this age-old battle between naturopathic medicine and modern medicine. Now, luckily, I'm someone who has been relatively a healthy person their whole life, knock on wood. So I've not had to spend a huge amount of time visiting doctors, getting tests done, or fighting to be seen and heard about my medical issues, all the while being given the wrong medication or the wrong procedure or whatever, not getting sufficient help. But our guest today is someone who has gone through that, and she also talks about how she got through that, though, and basically cured her own self. And it really opened my eyes to the possibilities that herbalism brings to the table, Because I've always heard about how terrible the medical system is for people. And I've always heard about, you know, people's ailments and all the crap they have to deal with. And in my own family, even, and and others and friends and family, too. But I've just never really known what could be done about it. You know, I just figured, well, that's just what it is. And I guess, it you know, that sucks. And that's what our system is. But during our talk today, I really started to feel hopeful and kind of wishing almost that more people like my guest with this vast amount of wisdom and about the human body and using nature to heal ourselves. I was kind of wishing that they could be heard more or taken more seriously. And, you know, I'm not saying, oh, screw modern medicine. It doesn't have any place in our world. It's all bad because, no, we do need things like advanced surgical techniques and other modern medicinal technologies. In my own immediate family, I we had someone who had to have open heart surgery. And yeah, there's no way we would send him to an herbalist for that, right? So of course, some modern medicine and modern technologies, they do have their place in health and healing. But so does herbalism and naturopathy. And not in an alternative way. I, I mean, at like the forefront kind of way. I don't think it should be seen as this alternative thing anymore, because it was kind of the original thing. It was kind of the original way of healing ourselves was naturally before we had synthetic uh, modern medicine. And I think Western society could do really well to figure out a way to make both natural and modern medicine work together. Anyway, this episode is a bit soapboxy in that regard, as you can probably tell already. And my guest, she does a way better of explaining what I'm trying to say here Um, And I guess my point is to just be open to this episode, especially if you're someone who is sensitive about health and wellness and, you know, quote, doesn't believe in herbalism or holistic medicine, because I was in a similar boat. As I mentioned, I can be quite scientific uh, and I was very much so growing up. And it wasn't that I necessarily didn't believe in naturopathy or herbalism. It's more so that I just didn't know enough about it to really form an opinion. And since health-wise, I never really had to deal with it. I just didn't think about it much. And and yeah, I just think we could be doing so much better with our medical system. And that's part of the, the huge missing piece for that is herbalism. Um, but anyway, in today's episode, just keep in mind that we do mention things like miscarriage, cancer, endometriosis, insomnia. We, we, do, uh, we do talk about big pharma briefly, so just keep that in mind. And without further ado, I will read my guest's bio. 
Ayer Atla is a clinical herbalist, medical astrologist, and a green witch. She has been practicing for 10 years as an herbalist and medical astrologist and specializes in women's health. She has helped countless women restore balance and vitality to their bodies and rebalance their hormones leading to pregnancy, normal periods, reduction in cramps and PMS symptoms, and more. She's the owner of Twin Raven Naturals, her apothecary where she formulates and makes all the herbal medicine that she dispenses. She joined me today via Zoom from the mountains of northern New Mexico, where she lives with her family on their farm. Welcome, Ayer, to Wild Creative. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited, too. I've honestly been counting down the days <laughs> to, to interview <laughs> you because you are sound so cool medical astrology i'm super interested in that so i'm i'm very excited so i like to start off by getting a bit of a backstory on people and how mm -hmm. they kind of got to where they are today on your website it says your body is not a battlefield which i love um, but it sounds like that came came from someone who kind of went through an experience where at one point in their life it was a bit of a battle and i i do know a little bit about your backstory and that you've had medical problems and pitfalls that you encountered with doctors and that sort of thing. So can you give us a bit of a rundown on what happened and how did how did that push you into where you are today? Yes, definitely. Um, at 19, I was diagnosed with endometriosis, which for those listening who don't know, is a hormonal imbalance of your estrogen and progesterone levels that leads to really painful, heavy periods that can be super filled with clots or just heavy in general. It can lead to infertility issues. It can lead to the endometrium, which is the lining of the uterus, migrating outside of the uterus and attaching to other parts of your body. And then every time you have your period, it also goes through the period, even though it's not inside anymore. So it can lead to some internal bleeding. The tissue can eat through places and lead to all kinds of internal issues. It's not a, a fun thing to have at all. Um, and I was very, very lucky to be diagnosed at 19. Typically, it takes anywhere from 15 to 20 years to get a diagnosis of endometriosis. Um, so I, you know, was lucky in that regards. But again, all of the treatments at the time, and even still, honestly, to this day, are just fighting your body and its natural you know, way of being and leads to actually more hormonal imbalances and more dysregulation in your system. And then ultimately doesn't actually fix anything. It just makes things worse. And so the only treatment at the time was, you know, here, take this birth control pill and everything will be better. And it wasn't, things got worse when I took birth control and I decided I didn't want to go that route because I was already miserable. Why make it worse? <laughs> Right? right. And after years of just fighting with doctors to be like listened to and heard and have somebody like understand what I was going through and like come up with an actual solution to fix it, to help my body heal itself. I got really tired of that when I was like 22. Um, I went to go see another doctor. He literally walked in the room, was like, oh, yeah, your endometriosis progression. You probably never have kids and like left. And that was the entirety of the visit. And I was like, wow. OK, something has got to change. Like, this is just not OK. So that's what led me down the rabbit hole of like alternative health and herbs and Chinese medicine and whatever else I could find that offered even an inkling of like hope, right? And I kind of cobbled my own like protocol together and my own way of doing things. And by 25, I really finally got it really honed in. I had changed up my diet. I was exercising more. I was taking the herbs that I was seeing the acupuncture mm -hmm. and the massage therapist and all that stuff. And I was doing all the things. And at 28, I got pregnant when they told me that I never would. And I wanted to be like, ha ha, fuck you. I really wanted to call the doctors yes. up and be like, yeah, okay. And so through just using, you know, the power of herbs and working with my body instead of fighting against it every day, my body, you know, started healing itself and I was able to, you know, heal my endometriosis, heal my infertility and heal all that. And so I'm just really a strong advocate for, you know, 
fighting for other women who are going through similar issues and helping them learn the same thing I did, which is your body is not a battlefield. And every time we fight it and we stop its natural processes, that it makes things worse instead of better. So learning how to work with it, understand what it's saying via the language of symptoms and, you know, help your body help itself. Yes. Absolutely. And it's really sad that there is such a gap in the medical industry when it comes to female bodies in terms mm-hmm. of listening, as you were saying, they don't know they're not listened to properly or enough. They're not taken seriously. And I, I know there's gaps in the industry in general for all bodies, but like especially women. And we all know why patriarchy and all that bullshit. But it, it's, 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 you know, it's, it needs to change. It really, like there needs to be something. Yeah. It's so overdue. And I'm so glad that you finally found a way that worked for you. And I'm not surprised at all that it took going back to a more natural uh, herbal approach for it to work. Cause Mm -hmm. yeah, like what's your thoughts on medicine in general, because our bodies, we didn't always have medicine. So does it not make sense to use more natural remedies to help our bodies naturally? It does. The plants have been here for millennia. They're super wise. They are made from the cosmos, just like our bodies are made from the cosmos. So why wouldn't you use something that is very similar to your own biological makeup to help your body get better? Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to go find something synthetic that your body can't recognize as something useful right it recognizes it as like a toxin that then inhibits your body's natural processes inability to heal itself when you could go find a plant that can do all of the same stuff that doesn't Mm -hmm. inhibit anything and works with your body instead of against it and helps it act healing on a level that you can't even begin to get through medications yeah do you think that medicine and, and herbalism could work together I think they definitely could. I don't know if that will ever happen, though, due to the fact that medication was literally something that has been turned into like just a big giant profit making, you know, scheme where they really just want to keep people sick because if people heal and they're all better and everybody's cured of whatever is ailing them, they don't need your medicine anymore. You've lost everything your entire business goes under so they don't have a vested interest in keeping people healthy they don't have a vested interest in teaching you how to be healthy they don't have a vested interest in teaching you how to listen to your body they don't have a vested interest in letting you learn and know that your body can heal itself if you give it the proper herbs and nutrition and all of that right and the more time you spend in nature the less issues you have they're not going to tell you that because they don't have any reason to yeah exactly yeah it really is a bit of a scheme in that sense yeah it really is they made 1.6 billion dollars in profit last year the pharmaceutical companies so why why when and that's the profit that's not how much they made in general that's just what Mm -hmm. they profited from all the meds that they sold so why why they have no incentive to change anything none Mm -hmm. not a single thing what I, i know there's people who don't believe in herbalism and they don't follow that um even though it could be good for them what would you say to someone or do you ever run into people who challenge you like how do you go about that conversation of trying to persuade or it not that it's your job to persuade anybody obviously but how do you have that conversation with someone who is maybe they're thinking about it but they're really not sure or they're they don't they're not educated enough and and they're just scared to try it to move away from medicine yeah Yeah. It takes a lot of undoing, a lot of like indoctrination to a point, right? You see, in America at least, and in other countries, this is not really allowed, but in America, every other ad is a pharmaceutical ad for another pill. And you're taught from a young age that you can't trust your body. The only person that can help you know what your body needs is somebody else. You got to go see a doctor. You got to go see, you know, whoever, and that you can't trust what your body is telling you and that you will never have the ability to figure out what it needs and do it on your own. You need somebody who's gone to, you know, 17 years of school or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they're the only ones that can help you. And so it takes a lot of undoing of those like unconscious ingrained, almost brainwashing beliefs that have been given to us. And honestly, you can't, get anybody to change their mind who's not ready to change their mind yeah so 
I will definitely be like, well, look, I'm living proof that these work. Here's my clients that are living proof that this works. Here's thousands of years of evidence that these work from the Chinese, you know, medicine side, the Ayurvedic medicine side, the um, Arabics have their own system as well. And, the, you know, in those uh, nations that works very well, that has worked for thousands of years and our bodies were very capable of healing ourselves prior to the 1950s when they started really pushing pharmaceuticals. So like what changed? Nothing's changed except for propaganda and marketing mm -hmm. and people trying to convince everybody that the only person that knows your body is someone else. But nobody knows your body better than you know your body. And that's part of the problem. Like I went to the doctor and I'm like, this is what's going on. And this is not right because here's how my body normally operates and it's not doing that. And they were just like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm, this is how it's right. supposed to work. And, and and they were like, talk down to me. And I'm like, look, no, I know my body. I live in this body 24 seven. I know how it normally functions. I know how I normally feel. And I know that that's not, is not what's happening right now. So I know something is off and you just get poo pooed and you get talked down to, and they're like, well, I have all these years of medical school behind me. Well, great. Good for you. But that doesn't mean that, you know, my body better no, than I do. It's like, you didn't go to the school of my body. <laughs> you know, you didn't yeah. go to 17 years of university of, you know, insert your name here body right? right so and all bodies are different too it's not like it's it's the same across the board by far really um yeah so and like yeah i think it makes sense like you're you're the one who's living in your body you're gonna notice all the nuances on a daily basis so mm -hmm. that's and that's valuable data that a doctor it should is. take into consideration very strongly it, <laughs> yeah yes and the, one of the first signs of any kind of imbalance or dysregulation or dysfunction in a person's body who has ovaries and a uterus is a change in their menstrual cycle. So if you notice a change in like how long your period is or how long your luteal phase is, or you notice that maybe I'm not ovulating because I haven't felt, you know, the ovulation on you know whatever side it was supposed to be this month and when you really know your menstrual cycle inside and out you will notice that something is wrong before anything else in the body changes mm -hmm. and then you go to a doctor and you're like hey i'm having this this and this and they're like oh let's just wait till your next period and see how it looks right. or you know in your next period we'll do um, an ultrasound or in your, when your next period comes, we'll do this. Mm -hmm. Or if it doesn't come, then maybe we'll do this. And they don't listen to you. That's a sign. By the time then you get in again to see them, you've gone through two cycles of things that are wrong. And it's just like a catch 22. The problem's getting deeper and deeper seated into your body yeah. and nobody's listening to you that something is wrong and that you need some assistance. Right, right, exactly. So at the end of the day, would you say that it's possible for everybody and anybody to take ownership over their body's health and to really seek out what's best for their body without having to go to a doctor or a doctor's office or that kind of thing? And yeah, and it just takes some yes, education always. and research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it yeah. doesn't hurt sometimes to find a guide. That's like I, what I had to do, right? Because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I had gone to a lot of those types of practitioners growing up. My parents were very much into like the natural side of medicine, but I had never really had to take responsibility for my own health. It was always my mom or my dad taking me and they were like, well, we're going to go see this person for this reason. And, you know, I was like, okay, you're a kid. You follow along with what they say. You're not really paying right. attention a lot of times. Right. Yes, of so when all of a sudden I turned like 19, I'm now like the, you know, owner of this body that I have to take responsibility for 24 seven. And I don't have a parent to lean on. It was a learning curve and it helped to find somebody who could kind of guide me along the way and help me figure this out. And so now that's what I do for other people, because I know it's not always easy, especially because in this day and age, they're not teaching that kind of stuff, you know, that mm -hmm. used to be common. And now it's very rare. Yeah, which is unfortunate. And I feel like a lot of wisdom in that regard, especially women's wisdom and ancestry wise mm -hmm. just gets it's been lost or it's been pushed to kind of the outskirts of society. And yeah, um it's seen as more the alternative route you know quote alternative even though 
yeah. as you were saying, it's even though it's around. not, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's not. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's honestly yeah. what the witch trials were all about. It wasn't about getting rid of witches. It was about getting rid of the healers and the knowledge yes. and the power that they held over the community to empower them to take care of their own health and their bodies. And it was a systematic cleansing of all of that knowledge and wisdom on purpose because the powers that be didn't want, you know, the mm -hmm. laymen to have all of that. They want it to be able to control. And like, why do you think we're scared of that wisdom or not? We collectively, not you and me, but in, in his, historically speaking, why do you think humans or I guess whoever the powers that be were, were so scared of that type of wisdom when it was so such a good thing? Oh, well, to be <laughs> honest, is kind of when organized religion came into play. Mm, yeah. uh, before that, everything was very pagan, very nature based spirituality and women were revered. People would go to women on purpose that were healers, whatever, to go yeah. get that. They were honored and women were really like an equal part of the community in many places. It was not super common to always have just a patriarchal society. Most of the societies prior to a lot of organized religions were very matriarchal. Yeah. And so when organized religion came in to play, they didn't want to see, you know, they wanted to shift that power into a dynamic that they felt like they could control easier. And so I think they just, they were scared that the people wouldn't, follow them if they still had those leaders of the community that they were following instead right you know yeah i feel like we're touching on the crux of the origin of feminism and like why we have it <laughs> yes. today <laughs> yes and why unfortunately here. we still need it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you would think in 2023 we won it but here we are no it's like it's it's like these decisions were made back then and these changes happened and we're still trying to undo them you know, it's, it's, it yeah. is, yeah. yeah. So the clients you work with obviously are mostly women or all women, um, I presume. And is it just women's health that you help them with like um, uterus based problems or is it like a full body health as well? Um, they tend to come to me just due to the fact that this is what I mainly talk about, but they do to, they do come to me mainly for like hormonal health issues and fertility, PCOS, endometriosis, you know, painful periods, wacky periods that are like yeah. they either here one month and gone the next kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so they come to me for that stuff. And then through the course of like the intake and us talking, I, you know, you really start dialing in on like what the root causes. And most of the time, those are the symptoms that they're seeking help for, but it's not the problem that's actually happening. That's cause, you know what I mean? Like the root cause mm -hmm. isn't actually the hormonal imbalance. The hormonal imbalance is a secondary symptom to the actual root cause. So a lot of times, you know, ends up being that we're managing untreated ADHD instead, or we're working mm -hmm. on a pretty severe nutritional deficiency, or we're working on, you know, their GI system just isn't functioning properly, or they haven't been sleeping well in like six years. And so their body's circadian rhythm is all off. And so it's led to other dysfunctions, things like that. So I end up, they come to me for those symptoms. And then we end up, you know, kind of doing a whole body holistic kind yeah. of, you know, protocol and really working on everything because you can't fix one problem in the body and not fix anything else. Like bodies are holistic and bodies don't work like their systems don't work independent of each other. They mm -hmm. all work together. So when one is experiencing dysfunction, it leads to dysfunction in the other ones as well. So if you find the root cause, which is the main system causing the problem and you fix that, the body mm -hmm. will heal everything else which is why pharmaceutical drugs are not as effective and aren't really designed to cure. They're designed to, you know, stop the symptoms in that section of your body, but not designed to actually fix it. So what happens is all the symptoms are stopped. You feel like, oh, I feel better because I have no symptoms, but the problem's not been fixed. And it just keeps getting deeper and deeper seated into the body. And then when we do finally determine the root cause, it takes longer for your body to heal because now it has to heal seven things instead of that initial one mm -hmm. that you yeah. were complaining of to begin with. Or sometimes it's too late. And that's where autoimmune disease comes from. Yeah. Because your body starts getting so much dysfunction that it literally starts turning on itself because that's its last resort to heal whatever is happening in the body. Wow. Our bodies are so amazing, aren't they? They are. <laughs> they are absolutely and... rock stars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If we just let them be that, it'd be so much easier. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, and I will acknowledge this because I went through the same thing. It's not easy at first to really start trusting your body because we've been taught basically from birth that we're not able to. And nobody has ever told us from like, the beginning of, you know, birth on to whenever we really try to start taking, we start taking control of our health, that your body's ability to heal is greater than anything else on this planet. And they've mm-hmm. never told people that. And so it takes a while to learn to trust that. And it's a whole process for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like, a like the grieving process in there in the meantime, too, because you're like, angry, well, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? Why have they been doing this instead? And then mm-hmm. you're like, you know, upset, and you're sad. <laughs> you go through the whole process of like, all of that, before you come out on the other side, where you're really able to feel like I trust my body, and I know that it will tell me what it needs. Yeah, it's not an overnight shift or no. process. It'll take time. I wish but... it was. That would be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Probably way more people on board by this point if it was. But, you know, it's just something you got to mm-hmm. trust in and take time and and, and yeah. stick with it, I guess. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what's your thoughts on cancer in, in terms of how what you know about the body and, and herbalism and healing? Again, it's really a sign that there has been so much dysfunction for so long in your body that Mm -hmm. now it's leading to even your cells can't regenerate properly. And then, you know, all the dysfunction happens and you wind up with cells that are proliferating way too fast. Um, Again, the the number one cause, the number one like root cause of like 99% of issues is nutritional deficiencies. And if you catch them soon enough and you correct those, then your body can heal itself because it has all of the building blocks and all of the structure that it needs to be Mm -hmm. able to do so. And with the advent of so many like high fructose corn syrup and oils that are like not good for your body and processed sugars and everything and so much, you know, GMOs and things like that, our bodies are becoming dysregulated because those artificial ingredients that our body can't process strip our body of necessary nutrients that we need Mm -hmm. because to process them, they need to use more and more nutrients. And if you're not replacing those through a nutrient dense diet, then you are eventually going to have some sort of dysfunction happen. Mm -hmm. And so this is why it it's so important to eat like, you know, a nutrient dense whole organic food diet as much as possible and give your body everything it needs. Supplements have their place, but honestly, you even supplements aren't really seen by your body a hundred percent of the time as a natural thing. And they can be just pushed right back out the other side. And then you're kind of perpetuating the cycle. So it's best to get all of that stuff you need from your diet. Mm-hmm. So you do diet work then with your clients as well? We do a lot of diet work. In fact, when I do a medical astrology reading, part of what I'm able to see is how their body processes nutrients and uses mm-hmm. them and where there is a deficiency potentially. And then that helps me pinpoint where we need to really start with their nutrition and which nutrients we need to make sure they're getting more of for sure, or they're getting in a, a way that's easier for their bodies to process. Right, right. So what about something like insomnia, which isn't necessarily like a in- internal digestive system type of problem, but it's more just like a behavioral problem, I guess, like sleeping or not sleeping? Yeah. Insomnia most of the time will be fixed if you're getting enough magnesium and zinc in your diet. And also that you're getting enough natural sunlight in the mornings, because a lot of times it's a circadian dysrhythm issue and not necessarily anything else. And then that gets out of whack and it takes a bunch of other things out of whack, too, because hormones kind of follow other hormones and melatonin, the hormone responsible for sleep. If it gets out of whack, then that gets your cortisol out of whack, which then gets your dopamine out of whack, which, you know, right. it's like a cascade effect, effect, right? Like, yeah, yes. And so um, insomnia typically is not an issue of like, well, I can't sleep or, you know, anything else. It's literally a circadian dysrhythm. So mm-hmm. it's the best way to combat that is to no matter how tired you are, or what time you actually fell asleep is to get up in the mornings between six to 10am is the best time and get outside in the sunlight with no sunglasses, no contacts, no hat, no nothing, just stand out there in the sunlight and let the sun hit the back of your eyes. Now don't look directly at the sun. 
obviously, yes, of course. but like walk around with your eyes open without anything inhibiting and mm. get that blue light from the sun that you need in the mornings that mm. decreases your melatonin and it increases your cortisol telling your body it's time to wake up and really gets. And then at night before bed, before the sun sets, go and take another 10 to 15 minute walk and get that red light from the sun, which decreases the cortisol decreases the blue light mm. affects in your body it increases your melatonin telling you when to sleep for every three seconds of blue light that you receive it decreases your body's ability to make melatonin at adequate levels for three to four hours mm-hmm. wow okay so yeah once you do the walk at night then it's best to either put on blue light blocker glasses put on put red light bulbs in your house yeah. that you could turn on at night get off the TV, get off your phone, get away yes. from the electronics and read a book, do a mm-hmm. hobby that doesn't involve an electronic and really let your body, you know, do its natural thing. And eventually you'll get back into the rhythm that your body needs. Yeah. So what if someone feels their insomnia is more because of stress or anxiety, or does that not really matter? Cause if you're tired, even if you're stressed, you'll still sleep. Right. I guess. Usually. Yes. Yeah. But if you are stressed, the best thing again, get out in nature. Yeah. Nature is yeah. naturally, naturally healing for stress. It's naturally healing for anxiety and depression. It naturally helps your body deal with all of those things. The reason we have so much anxiety, depression, insomnia, stress, our bodies are not designed to sit in cubicles all day in either windowless rooms, in dark spaces with other people for hours on end, where then you drive home in at night sometimes, depending on what time you get out, because it's already dark. So you don't see the sun in the morning on the way in. You don't see the sun on the way home. You go home and you sit inside another box watching a moving box, and then you go to sleep with the box next to you that tells you the time and wakes you up. And you're never in touch with nature. You never see the sun. Mm-hmm. You're never in touch with the natural rhythms. Your bodies are a part of nature. You can't separate yourself from nature that much and expect to not have some repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. So you've heard it here first, folks. Get out in nature. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't yeah. matter how much, like 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes is all you need of sun. Yeah. And 10 minutes again at night. Anybody can find 20 minutes a day. Yeah, to get Anybody. out, just do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, if you're that stressed out from your job, from the, all the living life, then switch things up. Make a change. I don't know. Fuck the job. Find a new one. Totally, yeah. Move out of your house to the country. Live in a van down by the river. Whatever yeah. works. <laughs> but change things up. You don't have to follow what society says you need to do to be happy. If that's not making you happy and you're miserable, then find what does make you happy and go do it. Yeah. Exactly. I have a a history of doing that, actually, making big changes. (laughs) Often when I'm like least happiest, you'll know because I will have made a huge change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it works. But it works. It honestly works. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So let's speaking of nature, let's talk more about plants and herbalism. I'm just curious to know, like what in the end, what worked for you herb wise for your endometriosis? Oh, well, it was a combination of Um, different herbs it wasn't just one which is another thing people want they want to just take one thing and it's going to fix everything (laughs) and again that's not how (laughs) plants work now sometimes that that does happen for people they can take that one thing and their bodies that's exactly what they needed and they're fine others due to you know maybe the how long they've been having the dysfunction may need more for a little while Mm -hmm. so mine was a combination of wild yam Um, which is actually a specific herb used for endometriosis. It's very good for the endometrial pain. It's really good for the heavy bleeding and the clots and the cramping and all the other stuff that comes with it. So um, I use that one a lot. I used it mainly in cream form because I could rub it right over top where all the (laughs) issues were. And Mm -hmm. I would do that at least twice a day, pretty much every day. So I really loved that one. Um, Red raspberry leaf was really good as that really helps like tone your uterus so that it works better and Mm -hmm. uh, helps with a lot of like the bleeding and, you know, stuff like that. So that one um, I took, oh, what was the other one? Nettles, which isn't technically one that you ever really will hear of as something to use for hormones, but it's a nutritive and it's full of iron and vitamin A and all the vitamins that your body really needs Mm -hmm. when you're a person who bleeds and has a period, you know? So um, 
that one really helped because I was always very anemic because I was bleeding so heavily every month. Right. And so that one really kind of worked just to like nourish my body and help, help me get more of the nutrients that I needed that I wasn't getting through my diet. Um, so I really liked that one. Ladies mantle worked really well for a lot of things. Chase tree berry was useful many times. Um, licorice root um, really helped kind of balance a lot of that out. And then also um, really does help with, you know, hormones as well. So just kind of a combination of, you know, herbs that were really just nourishing for my body, as well as helpful for all the like symptoms I was having. And ultimately, gave my body enough nourishment and nutrients that I started feeling better. So then my appetite improved. So then I was eating better. So then, you know, I had mm-hmm. more energy. So then I was exercising and I was, you know, getting those detox pathways to work better so that I was ex- getting rid of excess hormones. And then I was, you know, sleeping better, which helps your body heal better. <laughs> yeah. And so it kind of was like a cascade effect, you know? So I'm not saying that like the herbs themselves didn't help, but the herbs were like the first step in mm-hmm. the healing path for me. They were the first step to really get my bodies to a point where it was feeling good enough that now I could do the next step. And then I was feeling better so I could take the next step and then eventually got to where, you know, I am today where they have declared me free of endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's amazing. What a journey. Must yeah, so- it, it was a journey. <laughs> That's yes. for sure. <laughs> and and I assume, as you said, that's a combination of a lot of things. And that that's just what worked for you specifically. Somebody else yeah. who has endometriosis could be different things or not. Yes. Quite the and same that's things. where yeah. the medical astrology comes into play. When you mm. look at someone's natal chart and where the planets are currently in the sky transiting their chart, then you really get a clear picture of how their body is cosmically designed from birth, mm. how it works how their body handles nutrition and how it's, you know, cosmically designed to do so. So you know which areas of nutrition to really pinpoint in on for them. And then you see where the planets are currently and how they're affecting that so that you can determine, okay, well, we would use this herb instead of that one, or we would start here instead of there. And it really just gives me like, it opens up everything. So I can see like a really clear picture of what's going on. And it gives me like the exact knowledge I need to know where we need to start and Mm -hmm. how to get to the second point of where they want to be, you know? Yeah. Yes. So that's a good segue into medical astrology. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to medical astrology, what, well, first of all, astrology in general, were you already an astrologist or interested in astrology before you had all these health problems or did that come with afterwards? That came afterwards to a point Mm -hmm. um at 28 i had my saturn return everybody has their saturn return at 28 Mm -hmm. um because saturn takes it 28 years to get around the orbit (laughs) its orbit Mm -hmm. around the sun so when your saturn returns at around 28 years old that's when you'll notice like huge life changes may be happening you'll have a lot of lessons that you're suddenly like learning and Saturn's a pretty harsh teacher. He's like the nun that runs around with the ruler and smacks you <laughs> on the knuckles if he doesn't like how you're doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's very much Saturn, very harsh. So a lot of the lessons you're learning have to do with like death and rebirth and, you know, transformations and all kinds of like just really hard things to go through. So mine happened right as I was giving birth, <laughs> right wow. as I was like, just really kind of having like my spiritual awakening and really coming into my own and really feeling like confident enough to eschew the religion that I grew up in, which wasn't serving me and never had. And I wasn't really even following it anymore, but I just didn't really know like what else to do. Mm -hmm. And so I had been searching for that for a while. And then I had been doing like the herbs and the plants and being more time in nature. And so that had kind of just really culminated into you know, yeah. everything right then. So around all that happening, when it finally kind of calmed down and your Saturn return can last up to like two years and mm-hmm. trust me, mine did. <laughs> and so when I got out of all of that and I got on the other side, 
that's when I really started having more of an interest in like that kind of, you know, stuff, the astrology side and really kind of trying to learn it a little bit more because I was like, oh my God, like what, what is going on? Why is everything so crazy right now? Right. And that's when I started yeah. researching and learning about your Saturn return. And I was like, Oh fuck. So <laughs> that kind of led into that. And then, um, after I had my baby and was kind of recovered from that, I was like, why don't I just do this for other people too? Like they told me I'd never have a baby and I have a baby right now in my arms. So mm -hmm. like, fuck them. And I want other people to be able to say the same thing. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, that's when I went to school and got my first degree in herbalism. And then I went back to school a little like later and got two more degrees in herbalism. And it just never really clicked. Like I was using the herbs and we were doing stuff and, and clients were getting results, but it wasn't like the same results that like I had gotten. Right. Yeah. They were good. The pay, they felt better. They were happy, but I wasn't happy with how things were yeah. turning out. I just didn't feel like there was like that massive transformation like I had and like I was expecting there to be. So yeah. I started really looking into, well, what am I missing here? There has to be something I'm missing. And I think the schools that I went to, nothing against them. They really put me on my path and helped me out a lot, but they were treating herbs very allopathically, like they're like they're pharmaceutical medications and they're not. Mm -hmm. Herbs are holistic. You can't just pull out one little part of a herb and be like, oh, well, we're only going to focus on this alkaloid that's inside this specific herb over here. And this is how it works. And this is the only things that it can do because mm -hmm. herbs don't have those limiting beliefs. They're not like, oh, I'm only right. good for, you know, left elbow pain in women. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, which is how drugs are designed, right? They're only good for one specific thing. And herbs don't work like that. You take the whole plant, you ingest the whole thing. They have fail safes and safeguards inside of them. So you don't get side effects so that your body doesn't get the same issues that it would with a pharmaceutical drug. And all of those pieces and parts inside of them, all of those chemical makeups, they all work together to get what you want and the effect that you're looking for. And so I started searching for another way that wasn't so like allopathic, like this herb is for this and that herb is for, you know, this condition over here. And that's when I stumbled upon um, Sage Popham, who is a medical astrologist up in Oregon. And he's been doing it for, I don't even know how long, it seems like forever. But I follow, started following him and listening to what he was saying and listening to his podcast and attending everything I could of his and reading his blog. And then I took his school, which was um, Astro Herbalism was the name of the uh, actual like class and courses that I took. Mm -hmm. And it's just like opened my world because the herbs were, you know, corresponding then with the planets and the signs and, you know, the time of year and all the stuff. And I was like, it, it just all of a sudden it was like everything just clicked into place. And I was like, this is it. This is what I've been missing. I'm missing the fact that we're cosmically designed, but I'm treating and some other plants, but I'm treating the plants like they're not cosmically designed and right. like they're biologically made by, <laughs> I don't know what, something else. And I was like, they work together, but mm -hmm. the only way to know how they work together in your body is by knowing how your body was cosmically designed, which is where your natal chart comes in. Right. Yes, and yes. so once I clicked those two together, it was like transformations just went it just blew up and yeah. everybody was getting the transformations that I was expecting initially and wasn't getting. <laughs> right. And so I've just been, I love it. And I've been doing that ever since. And I honestly don't think I would ever go back to the other way. So can you give an example of a client who had like a really big transformation with, with you doing her natal chart and, and the herbs and that sort of thing? Like, can you yeah. run us through an example of the, a sign and uh, astrological sign and how you would interpret that? Yes, definitely. So I have a client who came to me, who actually came to me for her ADHD um, issues. She felt they were really out of control. She wanted a more natural way to manage it. And then in the course of us, like doing the discovery call to see if we were a good fit, she just happened to mention, oh, and I have PCOS. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that is like a big key point here as to why things are how 
they're happening in your body right now because the PCOS and the ADHD really kind of play off each other a lot and cause a lot of issues. And I was like, okay, tell me more about that. And so we started working together and all she really had come to me for was, I just want to manage my ADHD. And I was like, well, to manage that, we also have to manage your PCOS. Like they go hand in hand. I can't manage one without the other. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, you know, just an FYI, I really do want a baby, but they basically told me it wouldn't happen. I had a miscarriage last year. I'm really concerned about having another one. So I'm not sure if I'm, you know, if I'm really ready to try again. And I said, that's fine. This does not mean it's going to lead to a baby. It doesn't have to lead to a baby, but, you know, getting your body to not be as dysregulated is definitely going to help everything else, right? So read her natal chart and really saw that there was a lot of her Saturn. Saturn is one of the malefics in astrology um, with Mars being the the other one. And that just means that they're the ones most likely to cause issues in your life, whether psychologically, Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally, physically in this case as well. And Saturn is very like cold, depressive, suppressive. It really suppresses whatever sign it is in this body parts and systems that that sign governs. It really suppresses them. It, It decreases blood flow, cuts off circulation and causes a lot of issues in whatever area though that sign rules. So hers just happened to be in Scorpio. Um, mm. Scorpio rules the female reproductive system in general, and it co-rules the womb with cancer. And it rules, co-rules like the hormonal regulation with Libra. And so it was just really showing that there was signs of like constriction in this area, maybe not enough blood flow to this particular part, and that it was really ultimately suppressing her hormone production in her ovaries. So the way to fix that is to balance with whatever the opposite sign is. So her her Saturn was in Scorpio, so the balancing sign is Taurus. Taurus teaches us to eat good nutrition. <laughs> Taurus yeah. loves food and it's they earth, love good food. Sign. Yes, yeah. they don't want any of that fast food. They want like good home cooked meals that are full of nutrients and mm-hmm. that are just amazing, right? And part of the other issue with Scorpio is it has a really hard time. Those with strong Scorpio in their charts have a really hard time with processing any of the nutrients that are ruled by Taurus. And Taurus Mm -hmm. rules all of like the good fat soluble vitamins, which you need for happy, healthy hormones, right? Mm -hmm. So what we started working on was changing up her diet and making sure she was getting plenty of fats and fat soluble vitamins, making sure that she was cutting out any kind of inflammatory food that would also further restrict, you know, circulation to that area, she found a fertility massage specialist who was able to like massage that area and do whatever magic that she had to open like the pelvic area back up. She did yoga. We did some herbal blends to help with a bunch of stuff. And within six months of working together, she called me one day and she's like screaming, crying it in the phone. And I was like, oh my God, what is wrong? Are you okay? I'm thinking she's like dying. And yeah. she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And wow. I was like, oh, oh yay. And I was like, I was like, is this exciting or are we upset? Like, you know, cause I knew initially when we first started working together, she was terrified of having another miscarriage, which is completely understandable. And she's like a little bit of both. <laughs> And so we worked together throughout her pregnancy. She was really concerned because she'd had a very early miscarriage with the previous pregnancy. And so we really worked on helping her body produce higher levels of progesterone naturally, which is what you need more of in the beginning of a pregnancy to maintain it. Mm -hmm. And she had taken the P test and it come back positive that she called me like the exact same day that she found out we started adding in herbs and things that were safe for pregnancy that she could take to help increase the progesterone levels. She went and saw her doctor like the next day, got initial numbers. And due to her history of early miscarriage, he wanted to see her back the next week to do another blood test just to make sure things were going in the right direction. So she went back that next week. She got the levels. He called her himself like the next day. And he's like, I have never seen anybody's numbers rise so fast. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Her numbers had tripled in a week. 
Wow. Her HCG numbers. She, he's like, you have the stickiest fetus I've ever seen. And I think it was just because her body was healing, right? And it had all the yeah. nutrition that it needed. And she trusted that. I said to her, I said, I know it's hard, but you need to trust that your body knows how to maintain a pregnancy and that it can do this. And you need to tell your body that you trust it. And you, I said, I know you're going to sound silly talking to yourself, but you need to talk to yourself. You need to, you know, work on that mindset. I said, if you like attracts like, so if you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to have a miscarriage, I'm going to have a miscarriage, you're going to have a miscarriage because you're attracting mm -hmm. that, right? So I said, you need to attract, I'm going to have a happy, healthy baby. I'm going to have a happy, healthy baby. And she's like, I felt stupid, but she did it. <laughs> and <laughs> nine months later, she had a happy, healthy baby who is almost one now. And I get pictures frequently and I love it. It's so great. Like, that's like the most rewarding thing that I could like ever <laughs> really, uh, you know, do, I think, as a medical astrologist is helping someone reach that dream of what they really wanted and like make it there, even though they were so concerned to begin with, you know? Yeah. And in the most natural, healthy way possible as well. Like, yeah, can't go wrong with that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah that, that's a big transformation. Yeah, it was great. And, oh, and on top of it, I never hardly ever mentioned this because honestly, it doesn't really like have anything to do with it. But she also lost 20 pounds and she's like, I wasn't even trying. I was just eating, <laughs> uh, you know, these nutrient dense foods. And I was like, there you go. So nice bonus. <laughs> she lost. Yeah, she lost a bunch of weight, too. And all yeah. she uh, and she's like, I'm not exercising much. She was just walking daily. Yeah, but she was getting her nutrition dialed in and her body was able to function better. And when your body functions better, you get added benefits like, you know, losing weight and having babies. Can you imagine how much happier society would be if we had more people like you at the forefront? Like, that's what a great story. It would story. certainly help a lot of yes. things, I think, if yeah. we went back to the more natural way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So I have my natal chart up here. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just going to name something random as a, like another example because I just love I love hearing about this. I'm I I'm a little bit of a uh, amateur astrologist myself. I've been reading tarot mm -hmm. since I was a kid, so I'm no stranger to this. Um, but I don't know Sagittarius and Venus, for instance. What does that tell you? That tells me that that is a good thing because Venus hardly ever is the seat of any issues. <laughs> <laughs> Venus actually is more likely it's um, one of the benefics so she's more likely mm. to like cause good things to happen the places that I tend to look first always is your first house and your rising sign because we want to know what that is that's your soul that's how you present to the world that is how your body functions at its best when that sign is really well balanced mm -hmm. so we like to look there and then I like to look at the sixth house which is the house of health and any signs or planets in there are most likely going to be like the seat of issues, especially mm -hmm. if your Saturn is in there. If you have a sixth house Saturn, I am so sorry um, because <laughs> it's, it's more than likely going to cause an issue based on whatever sign is in there. Wherever your Mars is, is where I look. So Saturn and Mars are the next two places I look because they're, again, they're the great malefics. And yeah. so they tend to cause the most issues. Um, so I always look there where and there are opposite planets. So where Saturn is cold, depressive, suppressive, cuts off circulation. Mars is the opposite. It sends too much circulation and it's the seat mm -hmm. of inflammation. So it tends to be very hot and like expansive and it causes a lot of health issues due to like excess heat in the body and inflammation in the body. And so wherever that is can also, you know, tell me if there's any other issues. And then mm -hmm. I look where your North node and your South node are. Um, okay. The North node is a place that really is pointing to like an area where you're like too much excess energy is there. And that can lead to like growths and cancers and things mm -hmm. that, you know, based on where that is, what sign that's in. And then your South node is very much like Saturn. It's very cold, suppressive. And it, it's an area where mm -hmm. it's suppressing the energy in that system. And as such, it can cause 
you know, a lot of health issues as well. And then depending on where your Saturn is as well, it also tells me some stuff. If it's below the horizon, which means it's in the bottom six houses of your chart, then it's even colder and even more suppressive than usual. If it's above the horizon, so in house seven through house 12, you have a better chance of it not being as cold and not causing as many issues. If it's in a water sign, it's even colder because water signs are naturally a more cold sign than other ones. Mm -hmm. So you really want your Saturn to be like in an earth sign or a fire sign. Yeah. Um, specifically air signs are okay. They don't give as many issues, but like if it's below the horizon in a water sign, like mine is, you're pretty much just like, fuck when I see that I'm like damn that's the my, whole issue right there <laughs> my Saturn is, is Aquarius okay and where which house is it in um it doesn't tell me this is just like it looks like a basic chart so okay. I don't know that I don't know my time of birth that's the other thing so I just put the basic info in yeah um that makes I it a little harder out. it's a bit more difficult yeah and then my north node was Sagittarius just based on this chart so yeah. Yes. Um, Sagittarius rules the hips and the thighs mm -hmm. and the central nervous system. And so with your north node there, this you could have a lot of issues with your nervous system, but like with it being in excess. So you might notice like a lot of twitches or potential mm -hmm. toward Parkinson's, um, potential toward like Alzheimer's because it the CNS also like affects the brain and rules like you know, the brain part too, of the signals coming from the brain to the rest of the body. And so those with Sagittarius are prone to like ADHD diagnoses because of all of that like excess energy that their bodies just store, especially when it's in a North node like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it can lead to that. It can lead to excess issues with like your hips and your thighs. So that can lead to pain, bursitis, things like that, where there could right. potentially be like it, a buildup of the energy in there because um, yeah. there's too much energy going there. And then Saturn and Aquarius, this would mean that um, Aquarius rules the like electrical field of the body. And so because of that, Aquarians, those with a lot of Aquarius in their chart or who are native Aquarians, meaning their sun, moon or rising is in Aquarius, tend to have a lot of issues with like the electro electromagnetic fields. So like EMF is really like something they notice a lot. So with yours there, you might notice that if you spend too much time on the computer or your phone or in front of the TV, that you get really tired very quick. It's very draining. You feel very like overstimulated. You might notice some twitches or some ticks mm -hmm. because your body is too much that you notice you might not sleep well at night if you have like your phone too close yeah. to you. I, I can get migraines have, from just yes, being on the computer get headaches. too long. Yep. Yes. Aquarians also tend to not assimilate protein and salt very well because they're a midwinter mm -hmm. sign. So you're going to notice a lot of like electrical issues because of that, right? Because sodium is one of the minerals that your body needs to help conduct electricity properly in your body. So you might notice how mm -hmm. heart palpitations, you might notice like muscle spasms, things like that. So you really need to make sure that you're getting plenty of salt in your diet as mm -hmm. an Aquarius there mm -hmm. in Saturn, especially okay. because you already have a hard time with that. And then your Saturn is suppressing all of that. So it's very, very important that you eat a fuck ton of salt <laughs> <laughs> and that you really spend as little time around EMFs as possible. Sound mm -hmm. therapy, music therapy, time in nature is wonderful for Aquarians. And you need a lot of yes. sunlight because you are a midwinter sign and sunlight helps with like the vitamin D and helps with a lot of other things too that Aquarians tend to be lower in already and with saturn suppressing your ability to like manufacture those you're going to need lots of sunlight and lots of time in nature to help counterbalance that it's funny you mentioned the music thing because as you can see i have a piano behind me so i do play piano and sing i've been doing that for 20 mm -hmm. plus years and yeah. it's so therapeutic for me yes like i'll spend like an hour or two there and yeah just playing and recording. it really helps regulate your nervous system and your electrical field of your body so yeah you would do really well with that sound mm -hmm. poles would be a really awesome thing to listen to as well for you yeah yeah i was uh it's funny you mentioned that too because the other week i was at my friend's house and she brought a sound bowl to this like circle thing that we were doing it was mm -hmm. like a, um, a creativity circle and i was like drawn to it and it was like really cool watching her use it and so i was thinking like of getting one so Yes, <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing for you. And yeah. just 
the fact that Saturn is where it is, it'll, you know, depress a lot of that. So um, you can never go wrong with getting more of that stuff in your life, for sure. Yeah. So the thing I just gave you was a very basic chart, but what you look at, I know it's like an actual circular looking type. Yeah, of I have software chart. where I run like okay. the actual yeah. chart and I get the degrees of everything and all of that. Like my personal chart, I have my sun, my moon, my Uranus, my Saturn and my Mercury all in Scorpio in the fourth house. So they're all below the horizon. <laughs> they're all in water signs. And yeah, um, Scorpios tend to be prone to endometriosis with my Saturn in Scorpio in the fourth house under the horizon. I literally, when I saw that in my chart, like the first time I really started doing, of course I started reading my chart first. Cause I was like, I don't want to, you know, fuck anybody else's chart up when I don't yeah. know. Cause I'm just learning what I'm doing. So I'm like, I'll fuck mine up first. So mm -hmm. I was reading mine and I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that explains so much. And like, if I had known that, if I had known all of this, like way back at like 15, 16, I could have looked and that would have told me like, okay, I'm more prone to this. So I need to do this, this, and this to prevent that from happening. I need to do this, this to support my body. And I didn't know that because again, that's not anything you're ever taught. And so that's the other thing I like about it is if you're not currently having any issues in those body systems ruled by whatever sign that planet is in, then it can be like, okay, well, you're not having issues, but here's what you can do to make sure that you don't come down with those issues, that you support your body and making sure that this system is working properly. It's so interesting. Wow. So it's, yeah. So ideally it, it's be, it would be best to use it as a preventative measure rather than um, fixing things. Yes. Really. But that's so hard because as that does. saying goes uh, you know an ounce yeah. of prevention is worth a pound of cure and it certainly yeah. is if you yes. can prevent things then you're always that's always the better course of action but so, so almost like don't wait till you feel shit about something maybe even if you feel good it's worth having a consult with someone like you now to see as yeah. a preventative it doesn't means. hurt to get a medical yeah. astrology reading even if you feel great because it can pinpoint areas where you're more prone to something starting and then give you a ways to make sure that doesn't happen so i recommend everybody gets one even if you think you're the healthiest person on the planet yes yeah you never know what's coming down the road so. Exactly. It can give it. And again, it helps with like your nutrition because people are like, oh, I feel great and I'm healthy. But every time I eat, you know, this type of food over here, I, I get really sick or my stomach's upset or whatever. And that can help pinpoint what's going on based on, you know, your chart. I can be like, well, that's because your body doesn't assimilate this food item very well. You should eat this instead. And if your body doesn't assimilate it, well, stop eating it. It's OK to right. cut things out of your yeah. diet if your body's not handling it well. Now, I, I'm not an advocate of like those very restrictive diets or any diet, honestly, mm -hmm. but of ones that are like, you just cut out shit for cutting shit out. Like if you're gonna cut something out, you should be cutting out because your particular body and how it functions doesn't do well with that food. You don't need to mm -hmm. eliminate everything under the sun. You don't need to eliminate carbs. You need carbs, especially as an individual with an uterus and ovaries. You need carbs for your body to produce proper amounts of happy, healthy hormones. And so those low carb, low fat diets, those are, they will fuck up your hormones so bad. It's not even funny. Those are horrible, horrible, horrible diets for anybody, but especially those who are more prone to tending toward hormonal issues, like those within, you know, uteruses and ovaries. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. I feel like I could just talk to you like literally all day and I I've learned so we much. We probably could. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I, we are pretty much at an hour. I still really want to ask you though about uh, being a green witch because that, that, that is something you mentioned in your bio that you identify as. So I just wanted to ask you about the witch archetype and the witch identity. What does being a witch mean to you? Oh, being a witch to me is somebody who is really in tune with nature, who honors not only her own cycle, but the cycle of the earth and how and the cycle of the moon and how those all sync and line up together and who strives to live more in harmony with nature and not against it. Again, that whole thing of balance of not fighting against, you know, your mm -hmm. body or nature and who really just honors the plants and their ability to heal us by using them in the healing manner and helping mm -hmm. others as well.
Yeah, and that's specifically green witch. I should specify for the audience, a, a green witch is someone who works with plants and herbalism and that kind of thing. And there's different many more different often types of than witches. not. Yes, more often than not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a so being a witch is not I'm not a man hating, child eating, <laughs> you know whatever Hollywood has tried to tell you a witch is. It's none of those things no. actually no it's yeah. actually just this most of the time it's a solitary practice that you're just you know you feel called to enact with nature in this way and yeah. it has nothing to do with anything else it's not an organized religion there's not a book mm -hmm. telling me what i can and cannot do which a lot of people get confused because of wicca wicca yeah. is not witchcraft necessarily yeah. so there are witches who also practice wicca but they're not but as a whole, Wicca is a more organized religion that's just earth-based and has really nothing to do with witchcraft itself. Like they, you know, you can be both, but it's not what Wicca right. is. You don't have to be about. you don't have to be religious. Yeah. yeah it's a you pagan can be religion. Wiccan and not be a witch, and you can be a witch and not be a Wiccan. So totally. yes. Yeah. There's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> there is. And uh, people don't always realize that because it's conflated as, yeah. you know, in society as these are the same thing, or you know, all Wiccans are witches, and they'll be the first to tell you that that's not true. Not everybody who's a Wiccan is a witch. They just, it's an earth-based spirituality practice that is a little more organized than the rest of us. Most of us are eclectic practitioners. We do where we feel called to and we're solitary. I, I don't have like other people that I'm practicing with. Or, or a anything. coven or a circle that you join. Yeah, you can, no. but. You can, you, for sure, you don't if that's to, your yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Well, this was really super amazing, awesome talk. I'm so happy to have you on and ask you all these super interesting questions. Just to wrap things up, where can people find you online? It, like, What's the best way to connect with you? And do you have any offers or anything coming up that you wanna share? The best way to connect with me is probably through Instagram. I'm on there a lot more than other places. So you can find me there at Twin Raven Naturals. That's the name of my apothecary. Um, if you go to my Instagram, you can follow the link tree to get all the links for everywhere else that I am. Um, I have my own podcast called The Herbal Ire, and I talk about all things medical astrology and herbs and witchcraft and spirituality and I don't know, whatever, wherever the wind blows me, we talk about. And then if you go to to my link tree on my Instagram, you will find my um, free hormone balancing guide. And that will give you all of the steps that we basically would go through if you worked with me that you can try to do on your own and restore balance to your body. So it's the it's a free guide that you're welcome to um, do. And you also you can sign up there as well for a medical astrology reading. And then we can go from there and work further together. Or you can take what you've learned from that and do a DIY kind of method. So yeah, awesome. I am definitely going to be subscribing to that podcast. Because yes, yeah. I love my podcast. Awesome. It's like my favorite thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> so, awesome. yeah, you'll hear me a lot on there. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so my final question for you that I ask all my guests is what final piece of advice can you give our listeners today for living a wild creative life? Get back to nature. No matter what you have going on in your life, no matter where you live, make time to get out in nature. It is healing. It is necessary for us to live happy, healthy lives and always. And you can literally never go wrong by going out in like into a forest and sitting next to a tree for a few hours and listening to the birds. That is more restorative for your soul and your body than anything else you could possibly do. Mm -hmm. I hope some people take that advice right after this episode and go for a nice walk. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Ayer, for sharing your wisdom and all of your tips and advice. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I am so excited to be here and I hope that maybe something could be gleaned you know, from your listeners from this episode and help them on their path to happier, healthier lives. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this whole episode. I hope you found my conversation with Ayer as holistic and wise as I did. And I hope you heed her advice and go out for a nice walk in nature right after this. If you'd like to connect with Ayer online, all the links are below in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, and share. I also have a Patreon for the show if you'd like to support it that way. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for future episodes, please email me at emmacavetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. <music>